Hey, well, good morning, everybody. I am Pastor Lindsay, and it is so great to be with you all this morning. Um, I was not with you last week because I was on vacation. So uh, my family and I, we got to take a road trip. We went up to Massachusetts. My husband's family um, lives in Massachusetts, and most of them actually live on Cape Cod, which is not a terrible place to go and visit your in-laws, I just would like to tell you. Uh, so we got to take a road trip up there, and uh, one, you know, the things that we did differently this time than other times is we decided we were not going to fly. We were going to drive. And that actually went really well. Uh, I have three kids. We have three kids. Uh, they are eight, 10, and 12. And they did a really good job in the car. And one of the things that they did in traveling, they traveled similarly to how I remember traveling when I was a kid. Maybe you traveled this way or your kids or uh, someone you know. But what they did in the car is they had their own little seat spots, right? They had a place where they put their, their drink and they had their backpacks with their games and their devices and stuff. And there was a very clear spot where their space was, where it ended and where their siblings' space began, right? So it was very clear, where is my kingdom, right? Where do things go the way I want them to go? And you stay on your side over there. At one point, we actually stopped at a gas station and um, the kids were getting out because they were gonna go in and buy snacks. And because we were filling up with gas, we have a minivan, right? So the door slides on one side. So they all had to get out of one door, which meant they all had to cross over one of the kids' kingdoms, right? They had to cross over their space. And this didn't go so well because they got sand in the seat, right? It was just, it was a disaster for this particular child. And, and so this, this idea of kingdom, right? These spaces where things go the way that we want them to go is what I want us to spend some time talking and thinking about this morning. There's a Presbyterian pastor named John Ortberg, who I like very much, and he's influenced my thinking about this a lot. I would recommend reading some of the stuff that he has to write about it and some of the sermons he's given and stuff. You'll probably hear some of his influence and some of the things that I'm saying if you're familiar with him and his teachings about kingdoms. Um, he wrote an article that I read, and in that article, he asked a question that has just really stayed with me. And I think the reason that this question has stayed with me for um, so long and so kind of much is that I really struggled to answer the question. And the question that he asked was essentially this. He said, what is the main message that Jesus himself preached? What, what was it that Jesus went around from city to city preaching and teaching? And so if you've read any of the stories of Jesus in, in the Bible, um, you see that Jesus went around and, and did a lot of things, right? He hung out with people, he had dinner with people, and almost everything else falls into three categories. Jesus went around and he healed the sick, he cast out demons, and he preached the gospel. So he went from city to city and town to town preaching the gospel, which is the good news of God. And so John Ortberg asked this question. He said, what is the good news that Jesus was telling people about? What is the main thing that he went around telling people about? And I, I struggled with that a little bit because I realized that when I thought about the good news, when I thought about the gospel, almost always I thought about Jesus's death and resurrection. I would talk about it in terms of Jesus dying on the cross, being raised to life, and going to heaven. And, and so his question, though, 
was about what happened before that, right? And so he was saying, well, what was Jesus teaching about? What was he actually talking about when he went from town to town? And so I want us to think about that. Um, and I want to, in doing that, I want us to read this verse together. It comes um, from Matthew chapter four, verse 17. And at this point, this is the start of Jesus's ministry. Uh, Matthew had written just a couple chapters before this and he talked about Jesus's birth, right? Some of the stories that we, are, that we read at Christmas. And then he was talking about John the Baptist who was preparing the way for people to hear the message of Jesus. And John had just baptized Jesus and John had just been arrested. So this is the start of Jesus's ministry. And this is what he said. He said, from that time on, Jesus began to proclaim Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, Mark and Luke have really similar verses in their gospel accounts where they say, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand, right? The kingdom of God is here. This is the main message, right? This is the message that Jesus went around preaching from town to town. The kingdom of God is here and it is accessible for everyday ordinary people like you and me. The core message, the main thing that Jesus went around preaching was that the kingdom of God is here. When you think about Jesus's arrival to earth, some of you have heard me say this before. I think this is so important. Sometimes it's helpful for us to think in terms of two kingdoms. Right, the, on the earth, the kingdom of darkness was prevalent. Right, so there was a lot of brokenness. There was um, there was sickness and there was violence. Um, there there was greed. There there was a lack of concern for the poor and the powerless. Uh, there was selfishness. There was anger. Right, sin in all kinds of ways was prevalent. The kingdom of darkness was on the earth, and Jesus came. And Jesus, when he came to earth, he ushered in the kingdom of light. And through his life and through his ministry, he was both literally and figuratively pushing back against the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light. Jesus is the kingdom bringer. This is kind of the core message that we read in the first three gospels and the main message, message that Jesus was teaching as he went from place to place and town to town. Right, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come. And so we can see that Jesus not only provided a way for us to enter into that kingdom, right? And, and we, this is the part that we talk about a lot, right? The way that, that we can repent, the way that we receive this free gift of salvation. Jesus provides the way for us to enter that kingdom. But through Jesus's life and through his ministry, we see that Jesus actually modeled the kingdom of God for us. And so we can see as Jesus was talking with his family members, as he was interacting with the crowd, as he was talking with his disciples, right? As he was interacting with pe people who were vulnerable, as he was interacting with the powerful, we can see him modeling the values of the kingdom of God that he ushered in. And then we can learn about the kingdom of God that Jesus brought through Jesus's sermons and stories, and so I want us this morning to spend a little bit of time thinking about the kingdom of God, this kingdom that Jesus brought in and ushered in. Because if this is the main message of the gospels, if this is the central message that Jesus brought and taught and said, this is the good news, the kingdom is here, then I think it's really helpful for us to wrestle with this ideas of like, what is the kingdom of God and how do we define it? And what does it mean for us that the kingdom of God is here? 
right? What does it mean for, for me and for you and for the people around us that the kingdom of God is here now and available to us? And so I want us to wrestle with this today. And honestly, I hope that you go from here home and you keep wrestling with this. I hope this is something that every one of us wrestles with throughout our lives to think about what does it mean for the kingdom of God to be here? What does it mean for me to have access to God's kingdom right here and right now? Because navigating these questions is really the main task of our spiritual growth and of our personal discipleship. One of the ways that it could be helpful to think about this is with our summer ser sermon series um, with games. When Pastor Kyle told me about his idea for this summer sermon series and thinking about games and the lessons that we can learn, I started thinking about games and thinking, well, what games do I play, right? What lessons have I learned? And I kept coming back to this game, Apples to Apples. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever played this game. Oh, yes, here it is, the game of hilarious comparisons. Um, the, the way that this works, it's actually like a card game, but you play it with a group of people. Like it can be a small group or it can be a big group and everyone is dealt a hand of cards. And on these cards is printed a word um, or, or a phrase. And it could be almost anything. It could be a name of an object. It could be a name of a person or a place, um, an event or something that happened to you, right? So you could have like refrigerator, Abraham Lincoln, like changing a diaper, um, you know, it could, it could just be like almost anything. Um, and then the way that the game works is you go around and you take turns and each person lays down a card with a descriptive word. And so again, the word could be like a range of almost anything. It could be like expensive, um, sporty, magical, you know, like just some kind of descriptive word. And then you look at your cards and you say, what card do I have? What word or phrase best matches that word? And so you have these comparisons and you're trying to make a connection with the word that's been thrown down. And sometimes the connections that you make are really logical and some of them are not. And it ends up being really hilarious and really fun. It's genuinely a fun game to play. But over the last couple of weeks, as I've been reading this, these stories in scripture and reading Jesus's teachings about the kingdom of God, I found myself thinking about this game, Apples to Apples. And I was like, it's almost like Jesus is playing Apples to Apples. <laughs> he wasn't playing, but it's almost like he could have been playing, right? Because when you read in the gospels, when you read like in Matthew about Jesus talking and teaching about the kingdom of God, he's giving these sermons, he's telling these stories. And it's almost like someone's thrown down this card, the kingdom of God. And Jesus is making these connections. He's making these, these ways for people to think about what is the kingdom of God? What does it look like? And so Jesus is telling these stories and he's saying, well, the kingdom of God, it's like a mustard seed, right? Or he's throwing down a card. He's like, well, the kingdom of God, it's like, it's like treasure in a field that's been buried. The kingdom of God, it's like a net that goes into the water and scoops up the fish, right? The kingdom of God, he's making these, these like connections for people as he's telling these stories, right, giving them insights into what the kingdom of God is like. And then you have the crowds of people and the people who are with them. And it's like if they were playing the game and they had their hands, they're trying to make connections and they'd be like, um, the kingdom of God is like keeping the Sabbath holy. And Jesus is like, no, the kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet, right? And so it's like this back and forth as people are talking about what is this kingdom of God like that Jesus has ushered in. Um, and so I think, 
you know, as Jesus was doing that, he was making all of these, these points. And it's like he was um, highlighting these different ways that people could think about and evaluate what his kingdom is. And then at one point, his disciples actually asked him, well, why are you doing this? Right? Why, why are you telling these stories? Um, and this is actually some of the verses that I want us to read together. This comes from Matthew chapter 13. It's verses 10 through 17. Um, oh, but starting in verse 10, actually. So it says, the disciples came. I'll read verse 10 to you. It says, then the disciples came and asked him, asked Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Right, why are you speaking to the crowd in parables? And Jesus answered, and he said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it hasn't been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason that I'm speaking to them in parables is that seeing they don't perceive, and hearing they don't listen, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, you will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing and they've shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes or listen with their ears or understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So the disciples are asking Jesus, right, why, why are you telling these stories? Why are you making all these connections? Why, why are you telling these parables? And Jesus kind of gives this two-pronged answer. And he starts by telling them, you have been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, right? You have some insight into my kingdom. You have some idea of how this works, right? But you know what? There's more understanding for you to have, right? There is an abundance of insight to have, so Jesus is telling these stories to people who kind of get it, who have some insight, but he's saying, listen, these are great ways, these stories for you to think more about what my kingdom is like, right? Stories have a way of sparking our imagination and of nudging us to consider experiences that are outside of our own and of getting us to think about and to contemplate and to consider things more broadly and more that are more complex than maybe we would have if we just had a list, Right? And so Jesus is telling them, right? Like, I am telling you these stories because you have some insight, but I want you to have more. Right? We can imagine what might be possible in God's kingdom. And so he's telling them these stories, right? He's telling farmers stories about farming, and he's telling fishermen stories about fishing, right? The kingdom of God is like this, right? It's like a man who's sowing seed in the ground. And he's talking to people about um, cooking, right? Oh, well, the kingdom of God is like yeast. Well, they would have known what yeast was, right? And so it's like these everyday connections to the stuff that's going on in their lives that they could then think about, well, what is the kingdom of God like in my work? What is the kingdom of God like in my relationships? What is the kingdom of God like in this everyday stuff that I am living out in my life? And so it's sparking their imaginations for what could be possible in living as a part of this kingdom that Jesus has brought. And stories are, are great not only for sparking our imagination, but also for convicting us of stuff that is outside of God's kingdom. Uh, do you remember that there's a story in the Old Testament about a guy named King David? Um, and 
there was a prophet, Nathan, who came to him and told him a story. Um, he, he told him a parable, right? And what had happened is King David had actually taken another man's wife because he decided he wanted her. And then he had that man sent into battle so that he would be killed. And so the prophet Nathan came to him essentially to confront him with this. But what he, he didn't come and just bring like a list and say, hey, let's talk about this, let's talk about that. He came to him with a story. He brought a parable and he told him the story of this rich man, this rich man who had lots of um, sheep and goats. And, and he had company that was coming and he said, you know, what this rich man did is he went to this poor man, this poor man who had one little lamb that he loved. And he took that little, man, that little lamb from that man and he slaughtered it and he fed it to his guests, right? And David hears this story and he's just like, what? Like he's outraged. He's like, this guy's the worst. Like what is happening? And, and Nathan looks at him and says, you are that man, right? Stories have a way of capturing us and helping us understand situations. It can, it can cut us to the core. It can broaden our understanding. It can lead us in our imaginations to consider what is the kingdom of God like? What is the kingdom of God not like? So Jesus answers this question, why, do you, why are you telling all these stories? By telling them that. I want you to have an abundance of insight. I want you to have an abundance of understanding. And then the other part of his answer is a bit more of a hard reality. Where Jesus actually says, like, if there is not readiness in someone's heart to hear this story, right? If they don't want to engage, then they're actually not even going to understand what's being said to them. Sometimes people have like their minds made up and they have a set way of thinking about things, right? It's almost like a, a filter or a lens that they use to see the world. And, and even when they hear the word of God, who is Jesus, right? When they hear the words of Jesus come to them, challenging them about a way that they're living or a way that they're thinking, right? It's, it's like they don't understand it. They interpret what they hear in terms of what they've always thought and in terms of what they've always done, right? This is so important, right? We don't wanna miss this because sometimes we can have a habit of hearing and seeing something without understanding the significance of what we're hearing and seeing for our own lives, right? We can get in this habit and we hear things and we see things, but we miss the significance for ourselves. St. Augustine was a theologian who lived in the late fourth century and early fifth century. And when he was talking about these parables that Jesus told, he said that for some people, when they heard these stories, it was almost like looking at calligraphy that was written in another foreign language. I have uh, this picture that I found that is calligraphy. This is in Korean. Isn't it beautiful? Right, look at, I mean, you can just see the lines and the swirls, right? That doesn't look anything like what we write. And so St. Augustine was saying, like, you could look at this and you could admire it, right? And you can say, oh, isn't that lovely? And you can see it and not really see it, right? You, you, can, you can hear without really understanding. And so he was saying, this is what happens sometimes with the parables and the stories that Jesus tells, right? Jesus said, this is what happens sometimes when people hear my stories, right? And you can look at what's happening and you can say, oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, isn't that nice? Oh, that's just a nice story. Oh, isn't that lovely? But you don't really understand what it's saying. 
Jesus is saying sometimes this happens with people who don't want to understand, who don't want to see, who aren't open to understanding, right? They'll hear something, but they've gotten in such a pattern and such a way of thinking that it's not gonna pierce to their hearts and they're not gonna be convicted and they're not gonna be inspired. They're gonna misunderstand the stories that I'm telling. Right, for some of us, right, when we think of apples to apples, Jesus is making these connections, right, inspiring us with new ways of thinking. But sometimes we actually need to break some of the connections and some of the ways of thinking about God or his kingdom that we've gotten into. That happened with some of the crowds, right, when they would say, well, the kingdom of God is like making sure you keep the Sabbath the right way, right? And Jesus is like, no, 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 this is what the kingdom of God is like. Right? Some of us have these patterned ways of thinking about God and his kingdom that actually aren't very helpful or accurate. Um, I've been reading some articles this week um, about the pathways that our brain makes in, in thinking about stuff. There's like a whole neuroscience field that studies the connections that our brain makes. And, and they talk about repetition and how essentially um, if, if you have an activity or an idea or a thought like, and you just repeat it again and again, it becomes automatic. And, and that's how, how we learn to ride a bike or drive a car, right? That's how you can look down and be like, oh, I'm biting my fingernails again, right? Like we have these repeated things that happen again and again that kind of become automatic. But they've learned it's not just behaviors that this is true for. This actually happens in our thinking um, and happens in our ideas that we can think something and the, kind of the grooved pathway of our thinking tends, it, it will become automatic the more that we think about it. There's a, a study that they're doing at Harvard right now where they're actually looking at words that you use in negotiations, and they're saying there are certain words that we have, like these grooved pathways that make us have an emotional or a cognitive response. And so they're saying, hmm, like how, will, how would this impact negotiations? And so I started thinking, well, how would this impact us in our faith? How would this impact us in our understanding of God and of his kingdom that he came to bring? Are there ways of thinking about him that we've maybe been thinking for so long that we don't even realize that we're seeing it through a lens that God wants to make a different connection. Um, I mentioned uh, earlier, um, you know, this question that John Ortberg was asking. And, you know, when I was growing up and really into my early adulthood, a lot of the way that I thought about Jesus and about his kingdom was really through the lens of his death and resurrection and going to heaven when I died. And it was almost like that was what I was thinking about. Almost like, what is, what is it that we have to do to make sure that we go to heaven? When, um, when I was in youth group, the name of my youth group was Fire Escape. Right? That was like the literal name. Like, we're escaping the fires of hell. Fire Escape, youth group. I thought it was so cool and at the time. And now when you think about it, it's like, oh, that really says something about what you're highlighting, right? And it's not that that's a wrong thing, right? Like, I mean, Jesus provides a way for us to be saved, right? This is, this is part of our story that we absolutely believe. Jesus offers us this free gift of salvation that saves us so that we can spend eternity with him forever. And also, there's something that's not quite right about that. Because the message of the good news that Jesus brought was not that we can escape and go up there to be with him, but that he has brought his kingdom down here to be with us. Right? He's, he brought his kingdom down here. My kingdom is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is available for you now. 
And so when we think about this, right, it can be so helpful for us to think about what are the ways that I automatically think about God or his kingdom? And what are the ways that Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like, right? What does it look like in my workplace? What does it look like in my relationships? What does it look like in issues of justice? What does it look like in politics? What does it look like in in my family? What does it look like as I'm raising my kids, right? What does the kingdom of God look like in all of these areas? And how is God showing up? How is he inviting us to participate in his kingdom right here and right now? Jesus taught his disciples um, this prayer that we often call the Lord's Prayer. And um, a lot of churches pray it every week. We actually pray it in our traditional service. And it's a pretty well-known prayer. And right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, We pray this part that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right, we pray this, we routinely pray, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is the kingdom bringer. He has brought his kingdom to earth. And so now when we pray that prayer, like a gift for us is to think about what does this actually look like for me? Right, wrestling with these questions. What does the kingdom of God look like? What does it mean that the kingdom of God is here and at hand? What does it mean that it's available for me? What does it mean for us when we think about, Lord, your kingdom come in the places where there is hopelessness. Your kingdom come where kids are being abused. Your kingdom come where employees are being taken advantage of. Your kingdom come in my marriage. Your kingdom come in this church. Your kingdom come everywhere. What would it look like for us to seek first God's kingdom. What does that actually look like? Because the kingdom of God is not just far away. It's not just escaping fire, right? The good news of the gospel that Jesus himself taught from town to town and place to place is my kingdom is at hand. I have brought the kingdom down here to you and it is available and you can step into it and you can participate in it and you can invite other people to participate in it as well. Sometimes I think that the reason that Jesus made so many of these connections, right, like he was playing apples to apples, right? I think sometimes the the reason he was doing it was just to spark our imaginations and for us to recognize that there is no limit to to the initiative and to the courage and the creativity of the ways that we can see and participate in his kingdom around us. And so that is really my prayer for us today and ongoing, is that we would be able to see God's kingdom around us, that we would recognize his invitation to us and to join him in the work of his kingdom um, now and moving forward. So I wanna invite you um, to pray with me as we close. And actually, I wanna invite you to stand as we pray. And I just wanna pray a prayer over us. And at the end of my prayer, I'm actually going to pray the Lord's Prayer. And if you know the Lord's Prayer, I wanna invite you to pray it out loud with me. Jesus, we thank you for being the kingdom bringer. We thank you for the good news of the gospel that says that you have come and your kingdom is at hand. 
thank you for inviting us to join you in the work of your kingdom. Lord, when we look around the world, we can see that there is still so much pain and brokenness and sin that abounds. But you have come with the kingdom of light. You have come with goodness and with hope. And so Lord, we ask that you would raise us up as instruments of your message of truth and of hope. Lord, we ask that you would help us to see and understand more of what your kingdom is, what your kingdom is like, of the goodness that you have for us in it. As we read your stories and your words, Lord, will you move us and stir within us? And will you help us as we seek to join you in seeing your kingdom come? And now let's pray together the prayer that Lord, you've taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.